0: Hey, great singing, friends. Woo! Huh? I'm telling you. If, if you're not singing as loud as you sing in the car, then you ain't singing. And you got to just imagine this is like one big 500-seat car that we have. And, um, man, just to let it out. That is, that is great. It's so good to hear um, Church getting together and worshiping. I want to invite you to grab your copy of the scriptures and turn to James in chapter one. Toward the end of your Bible, really, if you get through, there's a book of Hebrews that's a little bit bigger in there, then there's a few smaller ones after James, um, like first and second Peter and first and second and third John. But, uh, James in chapter one, and if you pull up your iPhone or iPad or iPod or whatever may be the case, you'll find us there. James 1. We're gonna start in verse 22, and then grab your sermon study guide, your discussion guide there in the back of your worship folder, and we're going to talk about this together. And I'm going to jump right in there with a thought for us that we need to consider as our main truth for today, and here's what it is. God's Word was not written for our information, but for our transformation, did you catch that? It's not written for our information, but our transformation. And there's so many verses that talk about this. The purpose of Scripture is not merely an intellectual thing. It's for doing, it's for growing, it's for building, it's for being. And, and uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about God has given us his inspired word and it's for equipping and building and growing us to be the people God wants us to be. It's for doing. There's another um, passage that's near and dear to our ministry because it, it just encapsulates our mission. And it's in Matthew chapter 28. And it talks about go and make disciples or make followers of Jesus. And it says you do that by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and teaching them to do. not, Not to know, not teaching them to know, but teaching them to do whatever I have commanded you. And so when I look at these things, I realize that God is interested more in our hearts than our smarts. You know, if listening and knowing were enough, Christianity would be hitting it out of the park. Churches would be off the charts in growth. More of our young people would be retained. The impact of believers in our culture would be uncontainable if listening and knowing were enough. And if we're to use God's word for its intended purpose We will need to put it into practice. We will need to apply it to our current life situations and to our current decisions and actually do it. And that's what today's discussion is all about. James chapter 1. Are you there with me? James 1, whether it's on your device or whether it's on a page, let's look at it together. I want to look at these verses between 22 and 25. Follow along in your translation. Even if the wording is a little bit different, the meaning is still the same. Let's work at it together. Look at verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Simple truth, huge implications today, folks. Let's jump right into it. You got your study guide? I'm going to give you something right off the bat. This is the main command when approaching God's Word. The main command when we approach God's Word is this. Listening isn't enough. Do it. Listening isn't enough. Do it. And and so here's the textual progression. You remember we were there a couple weeks ago. and, And up in verse 19, it mentions everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry so there's this discussion that james has about our approach to god's word and that we should be quick whenever god's word is spoken put the antennas up i I need to hear this i need to hear from god and then he says slow to speak like slow to give a rebuttal don't give your excuses like okay that's not going to work for me or my situation's different whoop he says quick to listen slow to speak don't give a rebuttal to god's word then it says, don't become angry. Slow to become angry. Don't get upset when God tells us through his word to do something. That doesn't fit with me, God. Well, he says, hold off in the anger. Humbly accept the word of God planted in you which can save you. And now the progression goes one step further. He says, I want you to be quick to listen. But notice verse 22. Do not merely listen. So listening is not enough. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Not only is listening alone not enough. Here's the big part of the text. Are you sitting down for this one? Yes. Listening alone can be very dangerous and deceiving. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Listening can be deceiving and let's realize, I don't know if you realize how dangerous church is this morning. Because we could all turn and walk out of here completely deceived that we've done enough by hearing it. All of us, we could turn out 550 deceived people this morning if we all think that this is enough. I heard it. I, I want to acquaint us with this word for deceive, and so deceive yourselves. Here's what it means. It's another one of your blanks. Deceive yourselves means to cheat by false reasoning. And so what false reasoning takes place? It's, it's, this false reasoning happens when our minds expand a little bit. We feel smarter. I learned something. We feel better about ourselves because we heard something from God's word. You know, I needed that pick-me-up today. I feel better on the inside. I got an A on my Bible test. I'm more spiritual than the person that got a C. The, The thought that false reasoning here is knowing enough. You know, I've heard it. I've heard it all. I know it. I'm good. And here's the deception. Nothing changed. No life changed. And I've seen this false reasoning in things that I've said. I've seen this false reasoning in things I've heard others say. Have you ever heard this when when maybe when kids aren't turning out well and people say, I just don't understand it. I took him to church every Sunday. Have you ever heard that? I put him in youth group. They've heard all of this. They know better. And that's when we realize, that very moment, we realize, you know what? It's not enough just to put someone in church. Not enough just to put a kid in youth group or into coastal kids. It is not enough that they just memorize the verses in Iwana. It is not enough. And we can go through a 20-year deception with our child, or we can go through a lifelong deception with ourselves. That I was there I heard it, I know it. I'm good. That's the trick. That is the cheating by false reasoning. Church can be a tremendous place of self-deception. Self-deception in coming to church, in reading a Bible passage and listening to a radio preacher. The deception is, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I have heard the message, but folks, it cannot stop there. God's word is for our transformation, not just our information. Can I even get maybe one or two amens out of there? It's true. The idea of the trap of just listening isn't mentioned only in James. I I want you to see a passage we talked about a couple months ago. It's it's actually a parable that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 7. and You've got to see these two verses. These are so gripping. Look at the two verses behind me on the screen. You notice in Matthew 7 verse 24, he talks about a wise man and then a foolish man in verse 26. Now notice this. Look at verse 24. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on rock. Now notice verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine, stop. Okay? You realize that the wise man and the foolish man both hear these words of mine, speaking words of Jesus. What we are doing now is the very first ingredient into being a wise person by hearing these words of God. It's also the first ingredient into being the foolish person. We have the opportunity for us all to be wise people when we walk out of here. We also have the opportunity for us all to be foolish people as we walk out of here. And here's the difference. The wise man hears the words of God and puts them into practice. The foolish man hears the words of God but does not put them into practice and is like the person who builds his house on the sand. People ask me, how come immorality, pornography, poor language, addictions are in the church just like they are in society? How come marriages in the church fall at the same rate as society. And, And I'm just here to put out the plain facts for us, friends, because churches can be breeding grounds for foolish people. They can be breeding grounds for deceived people. People who spend time to learn God's word but don't intentionally set up their lives to live by it. And we have Bible study after Bible study after Bible study, which are all good. Somewhere along the line, maybe it would be really cool to do a Bible doing group too. You know? Let's just do it. We know it. Let's just do it. It's kind of what our small groups are gearing up to do. I told you a couple months ago about a guy I knew back in New York who was a genius. This guy was brilliant. He could and would debate all the doctrines of the faith. He would drive circles around you with Bible knowledge. He memorized whole sections of scripture. He would win every game of Bible trivia. And really his first three wives were not impressed at all. Tom Carlyle said, a man lives by believing something, not by debating and arguing about many things. I know a pastor who's known the Bible his whole life and has gotten off track when he did his own thing. And you're looking at him right now. You know people who know Bible truth and get themselves into trouble when they don't do it don't you and if you can be honest this morning like your pastor sometimes that person is you true yeah and it won't be long until we hear the cry of many around christmas saying put christ back into christmas you all heard that one Put Christ back into Christmas. So I want to give you one this morning for us to think about. How about we just start by saying, let's just put Christ back into Christian. Let's put Christ into Christian and say, this is my identity. This is my life, and this is how I want to show people. This is not merely a doctrinal statement that I'm living. This is a life-changing person in my heart and soul, and I'm going to put Christ back into Christian. We are to follow him, mimic him, be him in our life and in our world. And this whole thing is supposed to look like the one it's named after. So I want to give us, that was my introduction. Okay. Wow. Maybe that pizza, we'll just order it up here, huh? And have it together. I want to give us three steps from the text here. To help us avoid this self-deception, folks, I don't want us to walk out of here like I have many times. Feeling because my brain is a little larger, that therefore I am more spiritual. My life needed to be transformed. Our lives need to be transformed. And here's three steps from the text to avoid self-deception. Here's number one. In verse 23 and 24, look at the text with me for a moment. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at himself, looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Here's step number one. When you look in a mirror, this is not a trick question, when you look at a mirror, who do you see? you think it's a, it's not a, folks, it's not a trick, you see yourself. If you don't see anyone, then you have a problem, okay? You see yourself. Here's step number one to avoid self-deception. Focus on your need. I'll tell you one of the worst things ever that can happen in church is if you're sitting here, you're listening to this, and if you're thinking, man, you know who could need this right now? That person that's not in my mirror. Look at yourself. One of the worst things we could do is look at someone else because we're overlooking the person that God's talking to right then and there us, me. Take it in, focus on your need. Focusing on others robs us of the reason why we are here this morning. One phrase to make sure you never lose weight is, wow, I think they're bigger than I am. One phrase to make sure you never grow spiritually is, wow, they're doing worse than I am. Focus on you. The text mentions that our looking into the Word is like looking in a mirror. And so the one who listens and doesn't do it, looks in a mirror. Verse 25 mentions that the one who looks intently into that mirror, the perfect law, and does it, looking into the words like looking at a mirror, and it exposes us for what we really look like. And when we see it, here's number two, when we see What we really look like and what the need is. Number two, verse 25, we regularly remind yourself of your need. Check out verse 25. It says, But whoever looks intently, that's a big word, it's not a glance. But when we hear God's word, we take it in, and I'm looking intently. What does God have for me right now? And we take a hard look inside. We look intently, and then here's the other operative word. We look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. And so here's the other operative word, looking intently and continues in it. Here's the big deal. We regularly remind ourselves we don't let it end with Sunday. If we walk in here and say, wow, that was great, I learned something, that was nifty, and we walk out of here, and if we can't recall on Sunday night what God talked to me about, or on Monday, or on Tuesday, then we are in the position potentially of self-deception. We need to regularly remind ourselves, if you take the opportunity in the morning or in the evening and you read and study God's Word or you go through a devotional or if you're in Hearts for God or if you're in some group that focuses on God's Word and a need is exposed, we can't forget it. We need to look deep, we need to look hard, and we need to continue to think about it. Remind ourselves of it. Take a note. Think of a catchphrase. Do something to help us remember. I I had a friend when I was growing up. His name was Bob Johnson. Literally, he would write a note to himself during the message on a little 3x5 card. And when he would get in his car, he would tape it to the dash. And I remember I I rode with him one day. And his whole dash is just filled with 3x5 cards of reminders for himself of things he needed to do. This guy took it serious. He wasn't going to let Sunday go to waste. He wasn't going to let Bible time go to waste. He realized this isn't just filler, but this was transformation time. And when he heard something and it made sense and it clicked, he wrote it down. He reminded himself. And that brings us to number three. Develop action points. Focus on your need. We're looking at us in the mirror, not someone else. Regularly remind yourself of that need. We look intently. We continue in it. And then here's the end of that verse 25. Not forgetting what they have heard. And here's the big three words, but doing it. But doing it. Notice it's not merely but believing or knowing it, it's doing it. And when we get to the end of this great chapter, the emphasis is on doing. This is what we're going to be coming back to in future weeks. It says if we consider ourselves religious in the next three verses and we don't keep a tight rein on our tongue. It says our religion is worthless. We deceive ourselves. Interesting. Now there's action to it. You know, we can hear stuff, but if we don't, clamp down on that tongue. And then he mentions religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans, to look after widows, caring, not merely like putting a heart emoji on their Facebook page doing. And, and so James is about faith being active in doing. And so here he mentions develop action points. I want to encourage you that some of the best things that you can do if you see this need and you don't forget it, and you write it down, you remind yourself one of the best things you could do is share it with somebody. That's what small group is to be doing to open up and say, you know what, here I am, I'm not perfect, I looked in the mirror, this is what I saw, and it's got to change. And most likely, the same people in your group have some of the same blemishes and they are mirror, and then you all talk about it. Develop action points. Maybe you get a phone call or text during the week, how are you doing with that mirror issue you have? How can I help you and encourage each other, but there needs to be action points, or they never get done. Think about it. No one loses weight by studying a diet book. No one travels distances by studying a map. No one fixes their car by merely studying a mechanic book. We need to take it from there, and we need to do it. Set up an action point. Work with someone to do it. Not let the opportunity go by where we are once again deceived. Dr. J.B. Gambrell tells an amusing story from um, General Stonewall Jackson's famous Valley Campaign. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this before. But Jackson's army found itself on one side of a river and it needed to be on the other side. And after telling his engineers to plan to build a bridge so the army could cross, he called his wagon master. And he told him it was urgent for the wagon train to cross the river as soon as possible. So the army group of engineers ended up going into a tent. The wagon master started gathering all the logs, rocks, fence rails he could find, and he built a bridge And long before daylight, General Jackson was told his wagon master and all the wagons and all the artillery crossed the river. And General Jackson asked, so where are the engineers and what are they doing? And the wagon master's only reply was, well, they're still in the tent discussing plans for a bridge. True religion is not merely a doctrinal statement. It's not knowing the answers. It's not winning at Bible trivia. It's not getting more stickers during the Bible quiz. It is not merely to enlarge our brains, but to enlarge our heart, our life, our service. True religion is here transformation not just for information I'd like to finish back where we started do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves think about this folks to deceive is to cheat to cheat yourself by false reasoning so here's my question What are we cheating ourselves out of? What am I cheating myself out of if I only listen and I don't do? Look at the text. The very end of verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have done, but doing it. Notice this phrase. And say the big word with me. They will be what? Blessed. They'll be blessed in what they do. You know what we're cheating ourselves out of when we listen and don't do? Blessing. Imagine the things that we have let go by. Imagine the blessing of God that we have missed. Imagine The change in our life, in our character, in our marriage, in our family, in our finances. Imagine the change that could have taken place, the blessing, if only we didn't just listen, but we also did it. They'll be blessed in what they do. Now. We're going to make a decision. If we're going to walk out of here developed or deceived. Would you close your eyes with me? I just want you to look inside. Developed or deceived? Where am I going to be with God's word? Am I going to listen and do? Or am I going to listen and walk out of here and forget and do my own thing can I just ratchet up for us and can I encourage you right now would you make a decision today for transformation and maybe your transformation point is I know Jesus died for I know the gospel of Jesus that He has forgiven me by His death on the cross. And maybe your action point this morning is time not only to know it, but to embrace it, to believe it, to rely on it, to tell God, That is my life. I'm yours. That's transformation. Maybe you have an action point in your marriage, in your family finances, maybe you have an action point in your addictions in your habits in your hang-ups in your grief or guilt or grudge from the past and you have the time for action this morning and I want to give you a moment when it is quiet I want you to commit that to Jesus Christ. To develop an action point right now. Don't let it go by and don't walk out of here deceived. Develop an action point. Remind yourself of it. Pull in a partner on this. Time to step it up a notch. And do it. Do it. In the quiet, just a moment. Pray to God and commit this to him, would you, right now?